Welcome to Bleeding Edge Interviews. I am your host, Super Dave. Thank you for joining me as I spend some time talking to the people responsible for all the amazing music you hear on Bleeding Edge every Saturday on Toxic Radio. This is where we get a little bit of insight into the minds of the people who are making the choice on a regular basis to deviate from the norm and push the boundaries of hard rock and metal. It's not often I get to speak to a violinist, but for the first time, I actually did. Ben Karras, a Thank You Scientist, was kind enough to join me to talk about all things Thank You Scientist is doing right about now, including starting a new label, beginning their tour, and releasing their newest EP, Plague Accommodations, which is out now, as well as his background, his influences, and the things they've got planned for the future now that they have their own record label and can kind of do what they want. So get comfortable and let's spend some time speaking with Ben and find out what surprises he has to share about himself and about the band and about their future. Ben, thank you very much for joining me today. I really appreciate you giving me your time, especially doing it on the road, uh, apparently from a tour bus, from what I understand, or somewhere thereabouts. Um, obviously, it's, it's guys, like, nice maybe to be back on the road. I don't know. How are things going for you where you're at? It's, uh, it's quite refreshing after about two years of um, not playing any shows. Um, you know, we've just been feeling extra lucky this time around just to be back and to see so many fans coming out and having a good time at the shows again. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the last few nights have been just overwhelmingly positive responses from the crowd. So um, yeah, we're just happy to be playing. Excellent. So this is what your four four nights in, I, I guess, a tour that's about twenty six shows in a month. I think. Yeah, tonight is our sixth show. So it's uh, yeah, we did three headliners, and then this will be our third uh, as direct support for Intervals on the the big tour with them. Impressive. You guys are really. Uh, really putting your nose to the grindstone for about a month period. Squeeze a lot of shows in a very short period of time. Uh, it sounds like it's going well so far, but how are you feeling? Um, I'm feeling good. Um, yeah, the, uh, we're renting a bandwagon, so we have a place to sleep right after the show, which is always nice. So, you know, pack up the gear and you can go right to bed and not have to worry about getting to a hotel. So that's a big quality of life improvement. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just uh, the getting up, going, being in a, in a different place all the time. You know, I'm starting to feel a little bit of the, the road fatigue, but uh, but I'm holding up fine. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you mentioned it. It's been two years since you've been out. Obviously, uh, you, like a lot of folks uh, in the musical field, so to speak, have been uh, sort of shelved for about most of that time. Um, at this particular time, coming back from the hiatus and getting back on the road, how has it been different than maybe in times previously? Is it is it essentially been like, you know, riding a bike and you just hop up there and go with it? Or has it maybe actually been more involved this time getting back into sync with the band? Honestly, this time around has been quite refreshing so far. Granted, I'm only a week into the tour. So, you know, talk to me in three weeks and we'll see where I'm at. But um, uh, yeah, it, it's been feeling really good, very positive. Because, um, uh, you know, the last tours we did, we did a big five-week headliner in um, you know, quarter four, 2019. And then shortly after we went and did it about two and a half weeks in the UK and Europe. Um, and that's all right after we finished Terraformer, which, you know, was a giant album and just a huge undertaking. Yeah. Um, and then also having toured pretty recently for since what, 2014 up until then. So we, we were grinding hard for, for a long time. Um, and, 
you know, I think one of the silver linings of, you know, COVID hitting and just kind of putting a pause on everything is it kind of allowed us the space to stop and realize like, you know, we were working really hard and we just didn't stop. Um, so, uh, I mean, as jarring as it was to just have so much work and touring just taken away from us, just, just like that, um, having the opportunity to take a couple months where we just didn't rehearse, you know, we didn't think about thank you scientists. We just, you know, spent time with our families and, you know, talk to our friends online because everybody's quarantining, but, um, and also just to, you know, step away and focus on other activities for a little bit. Um, it was, it was refreshing and I think needed to an extent. So now, you know, we're all just bloodthirsty to be playing shows again. And, um, yeah, it's been a ton of fun the last few nights, and uh, hopefully the rest of the tour uh, follows suit. Right. Good. Yeah, it's sometimes important to find that silver lining in whatever's going on. And, and if you recognize that, hey, you can't go where you want to go, but now you've got some time to to down to down tune and, and relax a little bit and spend time with family, that's it's important. And I think it's, it's one of those things that helps keep us sane uh, to a large extent, I guess. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and recently too, I've, I've you know I've read interviews and, and things like that about uh, other artists talking about being on the road and touring, and and I seem to find that the opinions and feelings overall range for anything from you know I saw a picture of Marillion back on stage and hugging their instruments, so happy to be on stage again. Um, then you got others, you know, who have said at times that, that touring is hell and they don't recommend it. And, and then, of course, there's even one specific recent example of somebody I won't name who basically decried the whole idea of touring with Disturbed for a kind of out of the blue random shot fired there. <laughs> but from your personal perspective, uh, what do you see as being the, the pros and cons of, of being on the road? Pros and cons. OK, well. Let's start with, the, let's get the bad stuff out of the way. So the cons, um, you know, obviously you're, you're away from home, family, all that, you know, friends, um, I, my girlfriend back home, she, she misses me and I miss her. So that, that's always tough, but, uh, she's, she's very supportive. So I'm, I'm lucky. Um, and yeah, just missing, you know, just not being present for any things that happened. Um, good, good and bad. And, uh, just, moving around all the time. It's just a, it's a tough lifestyle to, to adjust to. It's certainly not for everybody, but uh, other than that, I mean, the pros, I mean, I feel like just the fact that we're out here, we're kind of, we're, we're doing it. We're, I feel like every person who, you know, is a professional musician, they have it at some point, like a dream to, to tour, especially with original music and uh, to be in a group of like-minded people who all work hard. We're, we're doing just that. I, I feel extremely lucky that's one of the pros for me also just to, you know, get out and just see things, just see the country, see the world, you know, the, the, the good, the bad, the, the exciting and the, the mundane, um, just having the opportunity to wake up in a different city and, uh, you know, if the day permits, you know, just walk around for a few hours, just pick a coffee shop that's a mile or two away and just see what you see on, on the way to it. And from, you know, just that little adventurous part of, of being on the road, that's, that's definitely one of the, the strongest pros for me. And also, I mean, you know, all the, all the guys, thank you scientists. They're some of my closest friends. So just having the exclusive time to, to be with my friends. Yeah. That's, that's a huge, that's a huge plus. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine the, uh, so many people that don't get to travel very much, you know, and the idea that you get to go out there and uh, maybe enjoy all those locations you get to, uh, 
thinking back in your memory, can you recall ever a, uh, a really cool discovery you made while uh, doing one of those walkabouts looking for some coffee? Uh, cool. Well, I mean, a little example. Um, just this one day, uh, we stopped. We had a day off in Eugene, Oregon. I had never been there. And uh, that particular tour, we brought some bikes in the trailer. And then um, me and Tom had to do laundry that day. So we just threw our dirty laundry in our backpacks, hopped on some bikes, and just found a laundromat. And it was, you know, it was a good, like, eight-mile bike ride or something. And uh, gorgeous weather. We went. There's, like, a bike highway in one of these parks. And uh, on the way, we found a record shop. So we went, got a few albums. I picked up um, one of my favorite little things. I got a CD of Charles Manson live in his jail cell. Um, from like yeah, from like the nineteen sixties, and it's just him wailing on a guitar and screaming. It's it's one of my favorite novelty items <laughs> that I own. Um, and then yeah, then we get to we get to the laundromat. There's a little pub right on the corner, so we go and have a couple beers while we're waiting for our laundry, and then we rendezvous with the guys in the middle of town, get food, you know, stuff like that. You know, just have having a good time and uh, just make the most out of being being where you are. Right. <laughs> Interesting side note, you, you bring up with the, the Charles Manson CD back in college. I did a radio show with a friend also named Dave. We had fun with that because we never bothered to identify last names. So Dave and Dave. But the show focused on, oddly enough, uh, Elvis sightings, aliens, and uh, for whatever re reason, his deep interest in serial killers. So Interesting. Uh, the idea of Charles Manson music that we perhaps maybe missed. <laughs> Some point in time that we could have played during that show is a little disappointing now that i think about it <laughs> I remember um it was pretty funny because we actually took that cd later on the tour we were playing um a gig in indianapolis um i forget the name of the theater but um we had been there a couple times and they asked us what we wanted for the house music so instead of giving them a spotify playlist i just handed them the charles manson cd so every <laughs> time there was just space between bands the album was just going i think it looped at least four times throughout the course of the night so uh, it was a pretty, it was an interesting vibe, that one. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> that idea. God. Oh, I have to look this thing up if I can find it someday, just for fun to share with him. Uh, that's nice. So how do you find the, uh, how do you find the fans reacting to the new music? I saw uh, a review on uh, the Prague Report and they absolutely loved it. I'm loving it. I mean, it's, it's you guys doing what you do best. And it's very cool to have that drop in there. Are the live reactions as strong? Yeah, from uh, from what I've seen so far, everybody seems to love the the, the live show. Um, on the interval set, we're consistently doing um, Giggle Button and Soul Diver, so we're opening up with Giggle Button, and then Soul Diver is uh, a little bit later. And uh, yeah, both times we play those, everybody seems pretty excited. Um, yeah, it's tough to tell we're on we're on in ears now, so um, yeah. we're listen we're hearing each other. We don't hear as much of the the crowd as we used to when. We weren't using them. So sometimes I feel a little bit disconnected until I get into my, my rhythm on stage. And then, uh, you know, then I'm a little more self-aware. But yeah, everybody seems to be liking it. Um, and yeah, the Prague Report review, I, I read that the other day. And uh, it was very nice. Uh, some very nice words there. So we, we appreciate that. Um, and then, yeah, fans coming up to us saying that they dig it. Um, you know, it's overwhelmingly good. Yeah. Uh, comments on Bandcamp, at least a couple of them seem to say that it was the best thing you guys have ever done. They loved it that much. So uh, yeah. great. You know, I, what I like when I hear whatever you guys are doing is no matter how serious the lyrical content seems to be, and to me, the music always seems in and of itself joyous. I mean, that's the best way to say it, not just upbeat, but I mean, 
it sounds to me like you guys might be thinking deep thoughts and and maybe real serious stuff, but as playing the music, you guys are just having a blast together. And and I think, as you said, you know, like these are your closest friends. So it sounds like that is reflected. Your relationships is reflected in the way the music comes out. Yeah, no, I'd say so. Um, Yeah. Cause the, the music at the end of the day, it, it all goes through all seven of us. I mean, even if somebody comes in with, you know, a, a hefty chunk of the song written it's still going to get brought into rehearsal everybody's going to learn the parts that are there and then it's going to get dismantled and rebuilt so you know it, there's always a lot of discussion a lot of conversation around around all the parts um you know and and sal he takes the time um he comes up with vocal melodies as we're hashing out the rest of the instrumentals but um the lyrics usually come at the tail end sometimes um he's even finishing them during the vocal sessions because you know we'll tweak syllables and whatnot so if you tweak a syllable then you have to tweak the lyric too yeah he always comes in with something very very thoughtful um i know he does a lot of his writing based on just his own life his own experience yeah he, he's very thoughtful with it and you know sometimes he does touch upon serious things but um I, I think you're right we we just try to make the music fun more so interesting I wouldn't say when I like when I write personally, I'm not always thinking fun necessarily, but uh, listening something to grab your ear, just something, something juicy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You guys do that as, as well as anybody, as far as I'm concerned. And, and my brain is the type that I, I literally will listen to these complex arrangements and you guys and all kinds of others. And the more complex, the better at times I tend to like them. And I'm trying to listen to all of it at once. <laughs> so keeping my, my, uh, I guess slightly ADHD brain entertained on multiple levels simultaneously is is no small feat. <laughs> wow, <laughs> it's an honor. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm curious. So then, if I understand correctly, you guys uh, kind of do similar to what a friend of mine who who made a, a run in the music business that uh, wasn't nearly as successful as yours, but a similar thing, uh, the compositions come first, the music gets played together. And I, I guess the vocal parts are, are more built out of, uh, scat singing. And then later, uh, the words are fit in to fit that. Is that, am I hearing you right there? Yeah. So, I mean, the melodies are, are written alongside the instrumentals, but, yeah. um, yeah, it's just, it's just placeholder syllables. It, it'll be something as goofy as, you know, eating a rotten burger and taking it up at a McDonald's or something. That's what, that's what the placeholder <laughs> lyrics will be until it's time to, to record and come up with the real ones. <laughs> nice. So, so what's it like to have all this freedom now with your own EP flying Jangus records? And that's why I'm going to tangent for a moment here. I, I was curious. So urban dictionary says Jangus refers to something that's fucked up, broken or wrong. It's derivative of janky. I don't know if that's what you guys meant or not. You may have another use for the word Jangus, but it was the first time I've heard it. But but now that you have your own record label, I mean, I imagine that opens up all kinds of possibilities and a lot of freedom for you. Are, are there little dream projects, pet projects you've got in the back of your mind that you want to now follow through on? Well, I mean, uh, first of all, that's really funny, the Urban Dictionary definition of Jangus that you, you found. Um, maybe maybe we should have looked that up before going with the official name, but uh, we're, we're sticking with Flying Jangus. Um, yeah, that there's there's a story behind uh, behind that name, but um, I think I, I don't know if I want to spill that lore just yet. Let's let's stretch out the mystery a little more. Um, but but yeah, the um, yeah the, the label. I mean, we were with Evil Link for three records. You know, they put out Maps, Stranger Heads, and Terraformer. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, our, we fulfilled our contract with them. Um, and then we were just thinking about it, how, you know, we're pretty self-sufficient. We like to, we like to have, you know, the control over the business side of things and in, in our own hands as much as possible. So, um, you know, since, uh, you know, in evil Inc., everything is, we're, we're on great terms with them and the, the co-ed crew, um, you know, we're very thankful for, for Claudia and all, all that they've, they've done for us, you know, bringing out on the road. But, uh, yeah, we just felt it was time to, to try it ourselves because we have, so much we can do now with the internet these days as far as distribution goes and also just having been abandoned touring for a while we're we're building our network um so uh yeah we're getting help with um amplified distribution for this one um so they're going to help with the plate accommodations um the physical copies so we're hoping by 2022 to have everything solid and uh being able to distribute internationally um with much lower shipping cost than before so um that's that's going to be a big help, and eventually, once the the licensing ends with um with Eve Link, then we're going to eventually get the back catalog over. So that's all that's all in the works. Um, but uh, right now, just play accommodations is going to be on on Flying Jengus. Um, but yeah, we just wanted to kind of get that together for mostly for thank you scientists, but then also as a possibility for our other bands, our side projects to have like a you know legit way to release music that's a bit more streamlined and can get as big a reach as possible um i mean uh you know we, we've all uh, we've got some different things going on i know tom is working on he's been poking away at some solo stuff for a while so i got to get on him and push him to finish um and cody and kevin they got karmic juggernaut cody's got we used to cut the grass as well um there's my band Windfarer. Mm. um so you know we all have some some different projects going on nice Okay. That's yes, I, I saw in your bio there the link to Windfarer, and that's 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 a bit of a divergent style from Thank You Scientist, isn't it? Oh yeah, quite quite different. Um, yeah, that, that band. Um, I, I've been doing that one since what 2009, 2010. So before I joined Thank You Scientist, and um, yeah, I, I'm I'm a metal guy at heart. I love I love riffs. Um, so. I approached the violin as like a, in that band, I approached the violin as a third guitar player. Um, right. And that's kind of what I do in Thank You Scientist a lot of the time too. Um, but, uh, but yeah, playing in Windfarer um, is, was my first consistent band where I'm playing electric in a, you know, in a metal band setting and playing gigs. So I learned a lot of my, my early electric violin technique with that band. And that certainly helped me prepare for my audition for thank you scientists back back in 2013 right. so uh yeah I, I owe a lot to those guys and um yeah we're, we're still putting out stuff we actually just put out a, a full length um on avant-garde music um called the breaths of elder dawns um that came out this past august so um yeah if any listeners want to check that one out um you know i'm playing on it i, I got some some cool solos and uh you know the guys write some really nice songs so uh yeah we're we're, we're proud of that and uh, I also engineered and produced the entire album. Wow. Um, so, yeah, that's, that, that's one of my personal COVID um, projects, just taking extra time to study, uh, mm-hmm. mixing and engineering. Nice. Um, so, yeah, it's a, that's a different story. Okay. That's a new talent I was not aware you had there. They're very cool. And you represent something, uh, I guess, a slight anomaly in terms of who I'm used to talking to or, or even seeing in bands and the fact that you are a violinist, uh, I guess also a cellist and viola and all those things that you play in rock and metal bands, which is not an incredibly common thing uh, unless you're listening to Kansas, the late, great Robbie Steinhardt. 
and you're classically trained, my understanding. So I guess I'm curious in terms of technique and style, how, what, what adaptations were you forced to do, so to speak, to, to get the violin to fit better with rock and metal uh, sounds than perhaps what you had been trained to do? Really, I think it just comes from, well, A, listening to a lot of metal and whatnot when I was younger, and that's the music that fueled me. You know, I, I studied classical violin as a kid, mostly by my parents kind of pushing me along and, and making me stick with it. Um, it took me a while to really appreciate classical. It wasn't until like high school, college that that I started to really understand and appreciate classical music, you know, from you know the earlier Baroque stuff to more modern 20th century. And I, I, I love all sorts of composers, all sorts of pieces now. But back in the day, it was, you know, the old Ozzy Osbourne, the Black Sabbath records, um, and Cannibal Corpse, Emperor, you know, again, to more, to more of the extreme stuff, just to name a, a, a couple of my early influences. So I guess I, I always, I always thought of myself as, I always tried to imitate guitar players. You know, I always wanted to play riffs, you know, soloing is cool, you know, melodies are cool, but riffs are what really got me and getting a five-string violin when uh when i was like probably 17 or 18 was was a nice addition because having that extra low string just allowed me to get a little bit lower more in guitar range and uh you know add some chunkiness to like the power chords i was playing yeah so thinking like a like an additional guitar sometimes um that's been my baseline approach but um really and, and thank you scientists when i come up with parts um it's bit more nuanced because i feel like i'm a i'm my own section in the band to to a certain extent i mean you got you know the rhythm section you know guitar bass drums you got the horns and then you got the singer so right there that's three sections that's a lot of stuff going on so to add a fourth independent string line you know it's got to really the part really needs it uh it the I'm sorry, the part has to really need that. Otherwise, I'm listening to what's going on. And it's like, okay, what can I enhance? Should I be a, a second guitar player here? You know, play something along with Tom, or should I be a third horn? Or should I be a double for the vocal melody or harmony to the vocal melody? Just kind of reading the song and seeing where the voice that my instrument has fits and where it supports the whole composition the most. That has been, that, that's been my, my approach to, to writing for thank you scientists and for more or less any any session i do where, where I'm, I'm playing just what what can i do with my voice that supports the composition that supports the elements that are there and if i have an idea that i think is going to be in addition to all the current moving parts then i just have to feel like it really is it's coming from a, a, a well-intended place and that it, it really supports and enhances that's that's really cool. I, I that thought had not even occurred to me. That idea that you've got this almost free agency, so to speak, to go in any of about three or four different directions in a particular piece. I, I, I imagine that's got to be fun in many ways. It really can kind of stir up some creative juices where you can go in different directions than you know, say, a traditional band with the, the guitar, bass, drums, maybe keyboards and things like that. That you could go. Any or all of those. Yeah. Yeah. The sky's the limit. Um, yeah. Just uh, you, you got to think of the ensemble as a whole. And uh, as, as long as you keep that in mind, just, you know, being mindful where the vocals are, because, you know, we're, 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 we can call ourselves sort of like weird fusion experimental rock or whatever. But, you know, at the end of the day, we have a vocal melody. So when 
Sal's singing, we want his voice to be the forefront of the attention of the listener. Yes, yeah, really just being being mindful of, of what's going on in the music. Yeah, just not stepping on toes, but but enhancing. And that's actually one of the fun and cool things, I think, and I kind of mentioned when I spoke with Tom about allmusic.com trying to categorize Thank You Scientists. And pretty much, you know, there's about 30 different styles listed on there, which all are in some way appropriate. And I keep thinking they really just need to change that entry from musical styles. Yes. <laughs> just simplify it, shall we? But it's and that's the awesome part about it. But and I think, too, when you when you talk about and, and you've hit a little bit of synergy here, I think, as you just touch on a couple of things. One that, that I was thinking in the back of my head, hey, maybe I'll fit in a joke somewhere about, you know, what the the their kind of fairly recent influence of gent style stuff. Have you ever thought about adding strings to the violin? You've already done that. Beat me to the punch. So <laughs> pretty cool right there. I had no idea. That's first I've heard of that. That is awesome. And then you mentioned the cannibal corpse. That makes me chuckle too, because back to college, mm-hmm. their first album had debuted. And uh, I think all of us that had become aware of it were looking at this and going, all right, what the heck? And and kind of look at that as a novelty. We had guys on our college radio station morning show taking Cannibal Corpse lyrics and reading them in the style of Gregorian chant just for fun. And so to think about all these years later, 30 years later, they're they're huge still. They're still around and, and a huge influence. That that amazes me that that's the direction they ended up going all those years later. So just a funny tangential thought you sparked me that you touched my college career twice now. <laughs> Nice. But all right. So nice. And and are there particular violinists out there you've looked to as influences in your style or, or what you wanted to do? Probably uh, my earliest influence as like a, a violinist in a band um, is player uh, Aldi Vanska from the band Teresis. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's based in Finland um, and the band's based in Finland. And um, he... Yeah, he was the first example of a player in like a metal band that I really took a liking to. Um, because uh, also, just once YouTube became a thing when I was like in a senior in high school, and you could look up live videos of, of bands. I remember seeing um, some videos of him, like a break in the set where he does a violin solo with distortion and everything, and just to see somebody doing what I was kind of already doing myself, but you know, he was actually out there doing it with a band and whatnot. And I was just a kid in my bedroom. Um, that, that was quite inspiring. And um, Teresa has been one of my favorite and definitely most influential bands. Um, their, their first album, Battle Metal, was what I, what I grew up on. And the, the Varangian Way was their, uh, their follow-up to that. And I listened to those two albums, especially like time after time, and just loved them. The compositions are nice and rich. Um, you know, it's metal, but it's very through-composed. There's a symphonic element in, in song structure to them um and you know you could even say uh, there's some proggy elements too if um if you want to use that term you know because they use some mixed meter stuff here and there syncopations um i just think their their compositions are all really well orchestrated and thought out and um they're they're ju- they just write great songs too and the production's nice to listen to so yeah he's he's probably my my first real core influence in in my electrifying playing and then yeah and of course i've listened to plenty of Jean-Luc Ponty. Um, my father's taken me to see Jean-Luc many times over the years. So uh, I've, I've had the, the privilege to, to see him perform. And then, uh, yeah, just uh, actually some of my more immediate colleagues, um, 
And my buddy Joe Denzone, he plays in a band called Stratospherius. Um, I gig with him from time to time. He played on Terraformer. And, you know, I've taken some lessons with him. He's a phenomenal player. Earl Manian, he's got the band Resolution 15, which um, was going around. He was, so they're, um, they're like a, like a mat, I guess a, more, a little more metalcore. I know he's very influenced by like Mushuga, Converge, Dillinger, bands like that. And he plays a seven string violin. And I found out about him a little later on, you know, after I was doing my thing. And, you know, he was out there touring, playing gigs with this band on a seven string violin with a bass player and a drummer and a vocalist. So he was, he was the rhythm guitar player or he is because the band just had a, like a reunion gig a couple weeks ago. Um, so I'm hoping he's going to be writing some more music for them. So yeah, he's, he's a beast of a player too. Another guy who uh, recently uh, I've been getting into uh Matush Smoczynski. I, I always pronounce his name. Well, I have, I have a tough time. He's uh, from Poland, a jazz player. Um, he plays like an acoustic with a pickup runs a full effects pedal board and, yeah, he was one of the most outstanding players I've I've seen, and I got I got to meet him and take a lesson when he was doing some gigs in New York City. Uh, just a phenomenal player. He does some really cool stuff with the loop pedal. Does like some chopping technique stuff too. So playing rhythmically um, as well as melodically, and just uh, I just I love his improv. So yeah, those are some 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 older influences and then some current influences for you. Well, that's that's impressive because you've named a. Uh, a lot of them that I haven't been aware of. So you've given me some things to, to check out sometime in the near future. I appreciate that. That's uh, your, your tastes. I certainly, I think would say probably run into sort of looking for more esoteric, more less mainstream, certainly. So you seem to know this, these deep cut bands, so to speak, that, that are hard to find. And I, that is kind of where I live most of the time. <laughs> the things that yeah, I yeah. And the no, sources sometimes are so almost random. Like I honestly, I forget exactly when I first heard of Thank You Scientist, but uh, you guys can give credit to uh, Mike the Music Snob and Become the Night on YouTube talking about that. And he was naming you guys as uh, probably, I think, his number one, number two favorite band out there at the time, or what he thought wow. was the best band out there. So I went, okay, I'm going to check these guys out because this guy and I have fairly similar tastes. And bang, there it is. So it's, it's you know, the, the idea of sharing music like that is, to me, one of the great things about being in this business. Yeah. Yeah. And also, um, I mean, nowadays, you know, with the internet, with Bandcamp especially, I mean, that, that's been a great platform. All of these smaller bands who have, who may not have mainstream appeal or just they are, don't have any recognition yet, like they're there. You can find them. Mm -hmm. You can support them you can buy their music you can buy merchandise um you know so just the fact that we have that access to to underground bands in in this time i think it's it's wonderful you know you can find so many deep cuts you can just go digging find just all these obscure projects from you know you know from from full bands to like just one man one man projects like um i, I listen to a bit of a bit of black metal so um you know from time to time i'll go down the rabbit hole and, you know, find some bands that are actually just, you know, one guy programming everything or, you know, playing all the instruments. So yeah, it's just really cool what, what you can do these days. Like the, the sky's the limit. Uh, and I think that's one of the amazing things in this day and age is, is how much more opportunity artists like you and thank you scientists and, and Winfair have the opportunity now to self-produce, self-promote and sell their stuff directly to their fans without, you know, the interference of 
record labels and, and executives and, and others who sometimes, I guess we'll say, perhaps inhibit the creative process? Yeah, you could. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's pretty, pretty amazing. And do you, do you have a bucket list of people out there or performers out there you think at some point in time you would like to collaborate with? Uh, to collaborate with? Yeah, either individually or, as, or with Thank You Scientist or whatever. I haven't thought too much about that. I mean, I, I've been wanting to, I've got some, my own, like, uh, my own, like, side project stuff that I've been meaning to get off the ground, just, um, doing some, doing some demos and whatnot. Yeah, I just have a bunch of scattered ideas, but, uh, collaborations. All right, so I'll throw another deep cut at you. I always thought, um, if I could collaborate, there's this band from Milwaukee called Northless. They're like, um, they're like a, like a, like a sludge band, Doom. They really heavy. I kind of describe them to people as, um, as like a like Gorguts, but you, if you slowed them down, they're uh, they're a band that I've always just taken a liking to, and um, I feel like if I got the opportunity to work with them one day, that'd be that'd be pretty cool. They're you know they're an underground band, but just their music speaks to me. You know, or if I could do some string arrangements for them, that that'd be pretty sick. <laughs> nice. Um, and yeah, if I could you know, do some collaborations with uh, you know some other some other really good violinists, like um, I was actually just chatting with another player, Evan Gar. He came to the uh, uh, the Pontiac show the other night, so um, yeah, he's talking about he's writing some new music too. And uh, if I could if I could collaborate with somebody like him, that would be that'd be pretty amazing. Nice, very cool. Yeah, yeah I, I I think I had pictures at some point in my time uh, in my in my mind here as you were talking about the idea of you getting in a string section together at some point in time and and putting that into Thank You Scientist or something else. I don't know if that's ever a thought that occurred to you, but I've, you know, I've seen bands do that from time to time, most notably, of course, Metallica with the whole symphony orchestra, really, not just a string set. Yeah, yeah. But to, to mention Marillion again, the second time they did that, they had a string quartet join them for a special one-off and a little bit of a tour and things like that. And I'm like, that, that could add a whole other level. But and, and now the more you're talking, it's funny because those elements that are metal in Thank You Scientist sound I'm wondering if those are mostly coming from you because of, of your, you know, obvious love for that particular genre, which would be almost a little counterintuitive to say, hey, all the metal sounds are coming from the violinist, really, for the most part, and the metal influences more so than the guitar player. Some of them for certain. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. Tom, Tom knows how to write riffs. And I mean, he I he's studied countless guitar players, you know. Marty Friedman's a big, big, uh, a big influence of, of his playing, but Eddie Van Halen. So, yeah, mm-hmm. he, he knows his metal. Um, but, uh, no, I, I definitely bring, I bring a lot of that to the table. Like a lot of the parts in Soul Diver, um, I had written those ahead of time and brought them in. Um, like the double kick section in the, in the second verse and then the, you know, the, the chuggy part. Like I came up with those and then the band just helped, uh, helped refine it all. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I bring my share of, um, of a uh, boneheadedness to the to the table, as I like to call, it. you know, a little bit of caveman here and there. Yeah. Hey, uh, it it sounds great the way you guys integrated. I, I I think I jokingly when when first you know playing you and and discovering you described as Dream Theater meets Chicago, and then I think somebody somewhere pointed out I guess Tom's vocals actually sound a bit similar to Claudio Sanchez. So I went, oh, you know what? That's even a better <laughs> description, I guess, for a shorthand. But I mean, truly, you guys are your own thing. Uh, to me, what I'm hearing is more complex than anything Chicago's done in about 50 years. And, you know, just, uh, again, uh, overall, more joyful. Uh, it's just all the way this sounded it to me. It always, 
it always leaves me feeling upbeat. Uh, and there's not a lot of bands out there that might get categorized as progressive that, especially progressive with metal elements that tend to do that. They tend to come across as so very serious and sometimes dour. Yeah, we, we just, we, we don't like to take ourselves too seriously, if you couldn't tell by any of our old band photos. Because mm. um, I feel like that's, you know, that's, that's done a lot. It's a bit overdone. And, you know, if it fits the aesthetic of a band, that's, right. that's one thing. Like, um, you know, like a, like, like a black metal band, for instance, you know, if you got Emperor and they came out, like, doing a, a photo, like, like our goofy photos, that wouldn't make any sense, you know. It's got to fit the aesthetic of the band, but um, also I think when you're forming a band, you know, just look at what's been done. And um, I, I feel like a little bit of humor always attracts people. Um, and uh, so I, I think that's been part of our success with um you could whatever you want to call our our social media behavior and um yeah the way we the way we present ourselves like because you know if if you listen to the music you know you hear what's going on and you know you can tell that we're serious about our craft you know we we all practiced for for many hours over many years you know i mean i went to music school for classical violin so that was uh that was a big undertaking in and of itself um you know more the the rest of the guys are pretty much all jazz musicians you know they're studying they know tons of standards um and everybody's just working on something all the time so i feel like yeah if you, you the, the music speaks for itself there and that we're, we're serious about the crafts so um yeah. when we present it to the to the world to to grab attention i mean we we all have a sense of humor uh, underneath it all because uh you know that's what that's what makes it fun Absolutely. Uh, and for those listening as well, too, I, I encourage you to head over to the website to thankyouscientist.com. Make sure you watch the video that's got Jimmy Fallon in it. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is trippy and hilarious. Um, that I, I think that encapsulates a lot of the humor I've seen uh, from you guys, uh, well, at least you and, and Tom in particular, having talked with both of you at this point in time. But it, well, we got to thank Mr. Fallon for having us on the show in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And, and honest God, you had me for about three seconds in the beginning of that video. I went, oh, my God, they were on. Oh, God. <laughs> it's just, as soon as I went, I went, okay. I was like, I, I was sitting there. I almost suddenly had so much more respect for Jimmy Fallon in that particular moment. And, <laughs> and then I realized, no, no reason to respect him yet. We're, we can hold off on that for now. <laughs> After the tour, what are the plans? What do you, what do you guys have? Next, you take. I imagine you're taking a break for the holidays, uh, at least, uh, and uh, chilling out because, again, you guys are doing a lot in a short period of time. Um, what's the long term look like? Long term, I'm well for uh, yeah. So we're going to take a nice break for the holidays and uh, relax, rest, um, and then 2022, um, we got a few things brewing up. Um, I mean, we got uh, Alex and Kevin, our new sax player and our new drummer in the band. So I know they're they're ready to you know, to make their mark on the thank you scientist sound and, and get to writing with us. So, um, you know, we're going to get the writing process going again. Gigging wise, we're just talking to our booking agents and uh, we're going to try to set up. Um, so looking like we're going to try to do some sort of headliner in the, the springtime or early summer in the U.S. And um, our booking agent over in Europe um, is brewing something else up as well. Uh, I don't have a time frame yet, but um, just uh, to anybody listening, uh, keep an eye out on our social media pages and the website, and we'll be rolling out information as it's available. Right. Cool. Excellent. How do you find the uh, reception uh, of Thank You Scientists compared uh, Europe compared to the U.S.? Where do you, where do you think uh, you've got the strongest following at this point in time or the biggest reaction? 
I mean, well, the the American crowds are generally bigger just because we've played so much more mm-hmm. in in the U.S. and we've done the support tours as well. So the support tours are great for for getting getting new fans, of course, because you know you got people showing up for the headliner who probably don't know us. Or in in most cases, that's what we would, would assume. You know, it's it's always exciting to get new fans that way. But um, but yeah, the European crowds, like the people who know us, are are like really into it. We've we've had just people say like, "Oh, I've been listening to you guys for years, and uh, you finally came over to to Europe. Like this is this is great." So um, it's really it, it's a really cool feeling to to have people who live overseas, just like thousands of miles from from where I live, and to know the music that that I that I write that I work that i work on with with my friends yeah. and to, to be that into it and also um and even like because I, I sell um transcription books um we have violin guitar trumpet and bass transcription books um for uh, most of the discography right now um so to you know to have players internationally like there's a guy in sweden that ordered a book not too long ago a, a violin player um and just to to know that somebody that far away is 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 hip to what i'm doing is is a really cool feeling yeah, I can imagine that is that is very cool. That's very nice. I, I kind of ask that question mostly because I, I, you know, I know that you know the American music scene these days is is so very primarily dominated with with pop and hip hop and things like that. And my perception has been that the you know the popular music in in Europe tends to be broader in scope in terms of genres. So there was just that feeling in my mind that that's a place I think could really be very receptive to what you all are doing more so and perhaps a little easier to make headway than I think sometimes going against the pop uh, current in, in, you know, in the U S yeah. I mean, the, I feel like, yeah, pop hip hop is uh, more of a mainstream thing in the U S but I mean, yeah, as the, as the times show like mainstream isn't everything there's, you know, mm-hmm. underground gets so much more exposure than, than it ever did before. And also and thanks to, to people like you having, you know, having, having interviews like this. Um, so, you know, you're, you're contributing to it and uh, I appreciate that, but yeah, like the, the mainstream is great, but it's not everything. There's, there's so much more and everything below the mainstream, like just underneath it, the underground is just way more accessible now, now than ever. Yeah. That's, that's the great thing I, I do like about that is, uh, the opportunity to share stuff. I've, always been the one to want to, to share new music and I can find I'm always looking for new music um, and and finding it is a great discovery when I can share that with other people with like mine that's a great discovery as well with luck uh, things work out I expect to be bringing somebody who will be a new fan for thank you to si- thank you scientist uh, to the show in Philly in December oh, nice. yeah that uh, I, I think she'll enjoy you guys quite a bit and so that'll be nice and uh, just spreading the word and it's in many ways, a privilege, but and, and what I've liked and what I've been able to find uh, in YouTube is that the, there's this whole world of reaction videos out there. And I, maybe they're the ones I find. It's probably quite possible algorithms and all that stuff. But there's a whole undercurrent that's very strong in my mind. The prog world is is growing in strength. It's underground, sure, but it's it's a community. The prog mm-hmm. report and, and prog magazine and that stuff and these reaction videos and you guys are getting reactions from people that are, are very positive. It just helps spread the word. And I, I think that's that's amazing. And, and, and that's, you know, I spent so many years uh, in my life watching bands that I loved and thought were great, get rejected and ignored back 
way back in the stone age because I'm old. But these days, there's so much more opportunity. And, and I think that's really awesome. So, I, you know, I want to see that continue for you guys, especially because you're as, as a band, you bring something completely unique to the table. There, there's literally nobody else doing what you're doing at this point in time. And so, yeah, uh, absolutely. It's well deserved. You guys are amazing. And you've got You've got the balls to do what you want to do, regardless of what everybody else is doing. You just you do what you're doing. It's it's a unique thing. Thank you. Yeah, we're we're just we're we're where we are. We're we're very fortunate. You know, we're we feel lucky to be here and to have made it as far as we have. And we're just going to keep pushing until I don't know. We're it's a time to get back out and 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 do some more work, write some more music and, and play. You know, so we're going to just handle this tour. This is what's on our plate right now. Uh, we're going to have a blast and um, yeah, we'll see what next year brings. Excellent. Very excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time. And I do appreciate talking to you. It's, it's been a blast. Yeah, you, you and Tom are, are fun guys. I, I can only imagine what the tour bus is like with six of you all together. Six, seven of you. Pardon me. I lost count for a second there. Seven of you all together uh, on the yes, road. Sir. Seven of us plus Matt, our our merch guy, and um, he's also our, our band dad, and uh, Tom's dog Max. Uh, he always he always accompanies us. Nice. So um, between uh, between the the eight of us, it it honestly does not smell as bad as it as you would think. Uh, <laughs> we've been we've been on top of the cleaning. There you go. But uh, yeah, but we're making it work. Excellent. <laughs> well, enjoy the rest of the tour. I hope it is great. I hope the tour fatigue you mentioned does not set in until very, very late, if, if at all. I hope uh, the energy stays up. But enjoy your time. Be safe. Stay warm. And I wish you guys the best. I, I hope the success continues and it just continues to build for you guys. Thanks, Dave. And uh, I appreciate you having me on. It's, uh, it's great to chat. And uh, hope to do it again. Absolutely. Anytime. All right, sir. Take care. Uh, take care. Bye. And there you have it, another engaging interview with one of the super fun and super creative guys of Thank You Scientist. I want to thank Ben for being so kind to join me, give me his time to share about his background, his influences, and everything that is currently happening for Thank You Scientist, a band that is just honestly packed with talent and I am certain will continue to amaze us in the future. And to use Ben's phrase, really, the sky's the limit. I wish them all the success in the world with the tour, the EP, and especially the new label. If you want to pick up their latest EP or merchandise, just head over to thankyouscientist.com. You can also find their tour itinerary there as they'll be on the road into mid-December and more dates are going to be announced for 2022. Thank you for joining me once again for Bleeding Edge Interviews. Just a quick reminder, you can find me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you haven't already, please check out my other interviews. They are available wherever you find podcasts. Just search under Toxic Radio. They are also available through ToxicRadio.net as well as the free Toxic Radio app. Meanwhile, remember Bleeding Edge is on every Saturday, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time, featuring only the best in prog metal, alt metal, and anything else that rocks hard and pushes the boundaries. This is Super Dave signing off.